0: Well, Kristen, it's, we're getting into fall, which means all the heavy movies are coming out. The, the culturally relevant, the topical, the timely movies. Uh, we have uh, The Fifth Estate, the WikiLeaks, Julian Assange movie. Serious
1: business. Serious very, business. Very, very serious business.
0: Uh, 12 Years a Slave, obviously. Any, any film about slavery is pretty serious business.
1: It's incredibly serious, yes. Yes, indeed. Very serious.
0: Although I might say the most culturally relevant film, the most timely film this week is Carrie, the remake of Brian De Palma's horror classic, Carrie. You would
1: say that, Rafer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm going to make my case for that. I'm going to make my case for that, Kristen. You're going to have to sit through it, too. I,
1: I will look forward to that conversation. <laughs> I'll look forward to that conversation and more talk of all these serious movies in just a moment. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And
0: I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Movie Date. Rafer, let's have a talk about some serious movies. All right. Give us a a quick rundown of The Fifth Estate.
1: All right. So The Fifth Estate, we've all heard of this guy named Julian Assange. Yes. He is a cyber activist who believes in transparency. He doesn't want there to be any secrets out there. He wants to protect whistleblowers. He creates the site called WikiLeaks, which we all know about right now. We do indeed. We know about all of this. And the movie follows his rise from small beans where it's just him and Daniel Berg, his buddy slash colleague, whatever you want to call him, as they rise up through the ranks from having one or two little servers to having a giant explosive headline making whistleblowing establishment. And here's a clip of the movie.
0: This is information the world needs to know. So the next time you find yourself lecturing me about this organization, please try to remember why I created it. Why I hired you to help me? Well, that's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Julian Assange. Uh, one, one of two movies he's in. Uh, he's also in Twelve Years a Slave this week. Um, he's had quite a he's had quite a year. Yeah, Star Trek in the Darkness. Uh, aside from all the uh, aside from Sherlock Holmes uh, on the BBC, um, but uh, he plays Julian Assange. Uh, uh, Daniel Bruhl, who we just saw in Rush, uh, plays uh, Daniel Berg, his his colleague slash uh, henchman. <laughs> um, his kind of protege, I guess you'd call him. And uh, so I think this movie – I guess the first thing I would say about this film is Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome. He is awesome in this movie. He
1: is Julian Assange. He, it's, he is. It's, it's, you watch him, the, the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he paces himself. It's almost – I mean earlier this year, you know I really, really, really loved Alex Gibney's documentary WikiLeaks. Yes. And – it was almost like watching the same man, <laughs> right? It, it was incredible. Yeah,
0: well, he—I think he does a really interesting job because he, first of all, he captures the Julian Assange that we all think we know. This kind of—and there's something weird about Julian Assange, right? That's what makes him. That's why we're all so fascinated. He seems—he always, even even before all the trouble he got into uh, with the uh, with the sexual assault charges, the sexual misconduct charges. Um, He always had this hunted, haunted, kind of wan, mournful look. And he's got that dead white hair and these dark, dark sunken eyes. And there was just always some kind of odd negative energy was always coming off of him. Even even when he was talking very passionately and very eloquently about whistleblowing and government secrets and transparency, weird energy from him. And he captures that. And I think the one thing this film does or at least his performance does is he also brings – he brings kind of another julian assange to the character another character that's kind of believable that kind of that a guy with an abusive childhood you know emotional scars in his history who is now s- striking back at the world from this safe little corner this kind of you know, kind of under his bed essentially you know what i mean metaphorically speaking and it's his performance is so great and i wish the movie mm would have been up to his standards. I it's,
1: knew you were going to go there. because It's
0: just not. Because
1: it's not. The movie... We,
0: and why? But why about, is that? No, why doesn't talk, it work?
1: We've talked about this before, Rafer. It's so hard to show people programming computers yes. and make that sexy when you're watching <laughs> a movie. It's like, look, here I am. I'm typing. Oh, right. look, I'm entering code. Look, here's a close-up of my screen as I'm IMing. And right. you're responding to my IM. Right. And it's just really hard to make that exciting. And I thought about... Uh, the Facebook movie, uh, The the Social Network, while I was mm-hmm. watching this movie and thought, wow, they really did it right in yes. that movie. Yeah. It really made me think this is a hard thing to do and it makes it all the more impressive that that movie was able to do it right. This yeah. one, it's just like, oh, we're kind of doing a suspense movie of people typing their computers. Uh, yeah, it just didn't quite take me there.
0: Right. Bill Condon, the director who did the last couple of Twilight films, um, he, uh, you know, I think he tries to jazz things up and he he does that one... He does that one thing where he creates a kind of a metaphorical fantasy room, this sort of sand on the floor. Look,
1: when you're using the internet, it's not just you. It's right. hundreds of people there. It's like out there. you're in a
0: giant airplane hangar full of desks <laughs> that stretch into infinity and you're walking around through it. And then when everything goes bad, you, d- you pick up the keyboard and you smash it. <laughs> Uh, and it, and I understand. I understand what he's trying to do, but it feels a little literal and simple-minded, and it just, it just didn't work for me. And here's the other thing: the only really thing, the only thing you really want to know right now, at least me in my simple-minded way, is all I want to know is. About the sexual misconduct with the, with the women. That's what mm. I want to know. And this film doesn't touch on it at all. No. It's nowhere to be seen.
1: Yeah. Just and that's boring. left off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think you're saying what I'm going to say right now. Not a great date. Not a great date. And I wish it were a better date because, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, great.
0: But right. no, not a great date. I know. I, I, I agree. And that is uh that is too bad. Um. Okay. So uh, – We'll get to we'll have we'll have more Benedict uh, later on, but right now let's move on to Carrie. This is the remake of the Brian De Palma classic. Uh, it's based on Stephen King's first novel, actually his first his debut oh, novel. I didn't know Carrie was yeah. his first novel. Yeah, nineteen seventy four. Wow. It was his, it was his first book. Uh, the
1: movie the, was seventy six, right? The movie
0: was seventy six. Uh, Sissy Spacek as Carrie. Piper um,
1: Laurie as Margaret Whitehurst, <laughs> <I>, scary <laughs> exactly. mom, exactly scariest mom ever. Right,
0: the, one of the worst moms around. <laughs> uh, uh, Carrie, uh, you know for. For those of you who don't know the movie Carrie, it's like it's like saying what's Cujo about? <laughs> uh, but it is it's about a um, it's about a, a young girl. She's bullied at school, uh, tormented, humiliated. Uh, discovers uh, after a while that she has kind of supernatural powers, telekinesis, telekinesis. right? Um, and of course, you know, woe betide uh, the bullies at her school. Um, and of Carrie, the, the original film is famous for its climactic prom scene with the famous bucket of pig's blood. Yes. Um, it's really it's really, uh, you know, it's the it's the rosebud moment of, uh, <laughs> of, of horror films. Uh, the remake stars uh, Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie, uh, Julianne Moore as um, as what's her name? Margaret, Margaret, Margaret White. White. Yes, From thank mom. you. As the mom. Uh, here's a clip.
1: A man or a woman who is a witch among you is to be put to death you are to stone them. <laughs> Such a scary mom. Terrible mom. She, no wire hanger. Oh, no. Wrong movie. Yeah. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. <laughs> She's so scary. Right. Now, I think that remakes are inherently a challenge because people are bringing in their thoughts, their expectations, their hopes from the original one. Right. And Carrie is such an iconic movie. What you're remaking is not simple. It's something that people already have their heart wrapped up around in exactly. some way. And. Um, so I think it's a big challenge to remake these characters. Did you feel that they did a good enough job, Rafer?
0: I had high hopes for this actually, um, because I love Chloe Grace Moretz as I think does everybody. Uh, I was kind of thinking back on to, on her roles. She has played a lot of violent misfits. In, yeah. her, in her career, right? I was thinking Let Me In um, and then uh, obviously the, the two movies. kick-ass movies. And then uh, without spoiling anything, Dark Shadows, the yes. Johnny Depp film. Um, that's a little bit of a twist there. But um, did I already spoil it? Maybe I just spoil it anyway. Oh, well. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was, try- I was trying not to but I don't know if I did. Um, anyway, so she has a history of doing this and I just – I think she's just a really interesting – there's, some, there's something about her that I like. Uh, Kimberly Pierce is the director. She did Boys Don't Cry and also, I think, Stop Loss. She's a really good director. So I had high hopes for this movie, and I kind of thought the movie is so much about uh, a, a girl's experience and and the hell of high school as seen from a, a girl's point of view it's also about um, religious fundamentalism and how that uh, sort of thwarts and and uh, retards your sexuality and, and sort of puts you out of touch with your own sexuality I mean the movie opens with her having her period for the first time and in the, in the gym shower it's completely humiliating and she's and she's extra horrified because she has no idea what's going on her mother has not informed her of this so I I thought you might have kind of a new, interesting, different perspective on Carrie, but I did not get that from this movie. Did you?
1: No, I I feel that the movie the original was so scary and this one just felt campy to me. It actually when she is making the world move when she's using her telekinesis. Rather than just staring it down and powerfully doing it with her face and body, she's actually using her arms and totally reminded me of Minority Report where you have Tom Cruise (laughs) moving around his monitors that are, you know, the hologram monitors. That's how it felt the whole time. Like, I am sweeping it over here. I am sweeping this up there. Look at me do this thing with my hands. And It just felt so campy. Although, I do want to point out one thing I thought was fantastic in this movie. Oh, what? Julianne Moore as Margaret White Uh is scary. Uh, Piper Laurie was very, very scary in the original one. But what I liked about this one is Julianne Moore brought more mental illness to it. Not just religious craziness, Hmm. but actual mental illness. She's a cutter. She's somebody who-
0: Yeah, she's a self-cutter, self-mutilator, yeah.
1: Yeah, and she has certain things about her that you can tell- this isn't just that I'm a religious zealot. This is also because I'm mentally ill. And I thought that Julianne Moore did a great job in this movie. But oh, no kidding. Yeah. I, d- I kind
0: of didn't, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just – I. but I think it's not anyone's fault. I just think for some weird reason – I mean, a couple of things. Like you were saying, it's a challenge. The original Carrie, 1976, you go back and watch that movie. It's amazing how little happens in it. There's no. It's a slow burn. That's basically just winding you up for that final 20-minute sequence at the end involving the prom and, and uh, uh, John Travolta and Nancy Allen in the, in the car and, uh, and the final showdown with her mother, all that stuff. Um, it's just a lead-up to that with nothing no, – no bloodshed, no real action for the first you know hour of the film. That's not easy to do today and I don't really think you could do that. Today and, and I think Carrie proves that you kind of can't. Um, and, you know, and here's the other thing. It's kind of just a shot for shot. It's a shot for shot remake of the, of the movie. And, but, you, but you can't go back and use Brian De Palma's famous split screen. Brian De Palma is the, is the oh, king yes. of the split screen, always has been. You can't touch that. Right, no director would. So you just have to do kind of a standard: yeah. blow them up, shoot them up, just crush them in the
1: little updates here and there. Yeah. Like, oh, this bullying includes YouTube videos. Also, this well, bullying now... includes right, you know, right. Uh, all all those online cyberbullying aspects are kind of you know dropped in here and there. But other than that, you're right. It's just like this is pretty much the same movie. Only in my opinion. Campier and not as well done,
0: but and I think that this is where I'm going to make my brief case on why this is the most topical film in some ways that we're talking about because it touches on, uh, you know, this whole idea of you know the the classic Mean Girls school, you know, the 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 emotional and physical violence that that results from school bullying. Um, it you know it's a school massacre movie. Um, so Carrie, I think, touches on that, although in some ways to its detriment. Didn't you feel like at the end it feels like a PSA? Carrie was a really cathartic movie, right? It was a super cathartic, unapologetic, bloodletting movie that sort of tapped into your misfit rage. And this one seems to be, have, seems to be saying to you, like, don't let this happen to you, kids. Don't, don't, don't be one of these kids and don't be Carrie and don't be the bullies either. Yeah. And I, I felt like that kind of sucked the life out of it. So yeah. I would say a pretty bad date. Um, I'm not going to say bad. I'm going to say mediocre date, though. Because, really? Mm. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think I agree with you. It, it There's not all of that rage in it in the end. Yeah. And There's actually a courtroom scene in the end, I have to point out also. <laughs> which a
0: courtroom is, scene? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. uh-huh. There's
1: actually a courtroom scene also, which yep, automatically right. made me think I was watching a Lifetime made-for-television right. movie. <laughs> and so, right. thus, I have to say... Again, not a great date.
0: Yeah. Not a great date. All right. Me too.
1: But let's move on to the meatiest
0: movie this week. The
1: The um, big release. The big release, the one that's already getting Oscar buzz, 12 Years a Slave. This is the story of Solomon Northup, a real man in the 1840s from Saratoga Springs, New York, who was tricked, uh, drugged, abducted, sold into slavery, and forced to— a slave under three masters in the south until he's able to regain his freedom so this is all based on a true story and it stars Chiwetel Ejiofor thank you I'm so, I'm so I'm just so <laughs> been, bad at it I'm I've sorry been, thank I've been
0: practicing that thank thank I hope you. I got it right
1: thank you and here's a clip days ago I was with my family in my home now you tell me all is lost I don't know who I am. That's the
0: way to survive. Well, I don't want to survive. I want to live. So, star-studded cast. Aside from aside from Ejiofor, we have uh, again Benedict Cumberbatch has uh, his as uh, Solomon's uh, first master. Michael Fassbender who plays Epps uh, the last master he serves under uh, we also
1: have Paul Dano as... Paul
0: Dano uh, 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 Paul Giamatti is in this Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. <laughs> let's Everyone's not forget in this Brad movie. Pitt uh, a, a newcomer uh, that we should point out because she's been getting a lot of attention is uh, Lupita Nyong'o who plays Patsy Patsy uh, slave
1: girl must be like 14 15 in the movie yeah. young young girl yeah in the movie. I think
0: that's right and she's she's uh, she's young-ish uh, Lupita Nyong'o is, is I think sort of uh, late 20s maybe um but th- so so a great cast. Uh, Steve McQueen is the director who directed Michael Fass. This is his third film with Michael Fassbender. He did *Hunger* and *Shame*, um, and uh, John Ridley, uh, a relative newcomer screenwriter. Um, but as you were saying, based based on the memoir, uh, uh, an 1853 memoir by Solomon Northup. Um, what did you think of this movie? We've seen a lot of slavery movies in the past. This is a familiar a familiar genre, and I think it's a genre that people. Um, Tend, I think, in some ways to look at as a vegetable movie. I got to go see this movie because it's good for me.
1: Oh, it's like Hotel Rwanda. I better see it. Right. But you know what? I want to I wanna make something really clear about this. The way this movie sounds, how it sounds like a vegetable movie, how it sounds like, oh, I have to sit through this like Last King of Scotland because I'm supposed to. Right. I really want everybody listening to know it's also just a really phenomenal movie. Yeah. It's great storytelling. It's great, interesting pacing. The acting is phenomenal. And I know it sounds on the surface like a movie that I have to see because I'm supposed to. This is Zero Dark Thirty for 2013. Right. But no, it's actually just a phenomenal movie. And one thing that it does that's so different than all the other slave narrative films that we see is it invites us along for the ride because we can identify with a character who starts off free and gets pulled into this awful situation. And I think most slave narrative stories open with, I've been trapped on this plantation my whole life. This is what it's like, right. But in this movie, we get to experience all all the things that we would experience if we were being brought into a dehumanizing situation. yeah, the psychological torture, not just the physical torture, but the psychological, dehumanizing aspects of slavery. and you see your name taken away. You see basic things like am I allowed to read or write? Am I allowed to actually say no? Am I allowed to step in when one of my friends is being raped? No, I can't do any of these things.
0: Right, right. And
1: you and I, we fortunately are very lucky to have not lived in that world ourselves. And then to be along with somebody who hasn't lived in that world either and goes into it, so smart yeah. and just. I, I can't say enough good things about this movie and how well it's done. And it's not a vegetable movie. It sounds like a vegetable movie. I know. But I know. It's just such a great film.
0: I know. It's. Um. It was. It was difficult. Uh. I. You know. I. I. I wrote my review of this, and I think. I think I did a, a poor job because uh, it's. It's. It's so hard. It was so hard for me not to just kind of sit and just gush, you know, and just use words like <laughs> awesome and great and, and brilliant, which don't really convey anything, really. Um, but it—it's true. I think. I think. I think it's really true what you're saying about this is kind of a slave story that we have that we have never quite seen before because of that unique perspective that he has. Um, I, you know, even if you go back to Roots, the the, the television. Uh, mini series slash epic uh, roots, I mean, I think you begin with um, you know people in free people in Africa being kidnapped, but somehow I think to the modern viewer um, and let 's face it to the to the viewer who kind of counts, which is you, the white privileged guy right out in the audience it 's too difficult to relate. To that, to relate to being, you know, an, an African tribesman, you can relate to this guy because he's dressed like he, you know, he's dressed like a modern person. Just he's a guy talking. living in New yeah. York with
1: his wife and kids, right? He's got a, he he's goes a to the career as a musician, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, living a very a comfortable middle class life. Um, you know, he could be he could be anyone. He could be any of you today in the modern world. Um, and you know, and then like you're saying, to see all that taken away, he behaves the way you would probably behave. You you know, you 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 cling to that inner core of of this of the civilization you once knew and the dignity you once had, and and you just try to look for your out and get back to that world that you know still exists out there somewhere. Um, it just everything about this movie is so great, not just the. The visuals and the script it's it's so beautiful looking um it's so well written there are so many moments The you know the moment the moment where and i won't spoil too much of this but the moment where um many of the slaves are 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 surrounding a a a, a dead a dead guy who's just been buried and they start singing a spiritual do you remember that moment oh yeah that um... that that moment it's, it's, but it's just one of several moments that just like you know you can you can just feel your skin prickling and your eyes welling up. It's so it's so amazing, and the use I think of sound in this movie. That's the one thing I noticed the 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 cross the mixing of sound to make certain points where you'll hear say Paul Dano is singing a a, a field song. Actually, it's a, a, apparently it's an Alan Lomax oh, field yeah. song. He's singing a song called I'll just I'll say it Run Nigger Run. This, ho- this horrible you know. Sort of knee slap and happy song about you know chasing down your slaves,
1: and you have to force the slaves to clap along while right. you're singing. Hello, right? Hello? Yeah, incredible.
0: I mean, and they it's just shocking. They mix that. They mix that song. They keep that song, the sound of that song, going while one of the masters is standing up in front of all the slaves, reading out the Bible. So you've got to listen to both these messages being given to you at the same time. Really effective. Um, and the sounds of the sounds of. Of people suffering the 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 choking sounds, the lynching sounds, the whipping sounds are are they really ring in your ears? Uh, it's just an incredible film. I I just don't I don't feel I feel like we've seen a lot of movies that were very well made. You know Spielberg has done this. Uh, you know Roots was a, was a great a great movie. You've seen a lot of movies that are very well made, respect respectfully made, sensitively made. But I don't feel like I've seen a, a movie on this subject that has been so artfully kind of. Just so, just made with such artistry. I feel like that's really that's something new to me, it's right? Just, do you agree? It's just I mean,
1: incredible. And there are no what I love about this movie. There are no simple moments that are right just there to comfort you and um, assuage your middle class guilt and right. make you feel. But like, which I I feel is the problem with a lot of movies like this. They're trying to calm you and say, "Look, you're not a racist like that. You don't use the N word."
0: Right. Right. And this
1: movie doesn't do that to you. But it's not accusing you of anything either. It's right. just telling a story and inviting you to feel this with him, to experience it with him. And I have to say, you know, I don't want to give anything away in the movie either. The movie opens with with a scene from the middle of the movie and then it brings us back to the beginning of the story, if yeah. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie opens with him just trying to write a letter. And yeah. he doesn't have a real writing implement and he doesn't have real ink. He doesn't have anything yeah. really available to him. And him crying because he can't write. Right, he doesn't have right. He doesn't have the tools to do it. And some of those moments like that were really just the most heartbreaking for me, much more so even than the violent physical yeah. scenes in the movie are just those moments of, I can't even write my name if I want to. Yeah. Like, I have
0: nothing that makes me me right now. Right, right.
1: Anywho, I, I think we're both saying this is a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: do. I, yes, like, we are both saying that. I, the, you know, the only other thing I would add is um, – I think this film is clearly going to be the the heavyweight Oscar contender for the year. And what I think will be interesting, because I feel like we might have some more conversations about race around this, is I think it's going to be Captain Phillips about a white Mm. guy besieged by black guys versus 12 Years a Slave about a a black man besieged by white men. Mm. And that could be pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to that. Yes. (laughs) Now, um, let's move on to a special new feature we're bringing to Movie Date this week. We're calling it movie therapy. Yeah. And in movie therapy, we're asking you, our listeners, to share your questions with us, tell us about your life issues, give us your movie questions, and then Rafer and I are going to prescribe movies for you yes. to help you deal with all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the doctor is in.
1: <laughs> the doctor is in. So this week we're opening movie therapy with a letter from Larry from Brooklyn. And he wrote us after our Don John podcast. Uh, And you might recall that Don John starred Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a pornographic video addict. Um, So Larry writes... No matter how good Don John may be, I would be hesitant to bring a date to see a movie about a man's addiction to porno. It just doesn't seem like a woman would be willing to make out during this film. I could be wrong, but I think the woman might be wondering why I brought her to see a movie about porno addiction <laughs> in the first place.
0: <laughs> you'd, be like, you'd be like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, it'd, exactly. it'd, it'd be a short date.
1: So... What what would we prescribe Larry Watch
0: if he wants to get a girl in a makeup mood? I, I, w- I have a couple of recommendations. I would say one way to go is something kind of classy, fun, not too familiar – Go back to the old classics and find sort of a, a, a lesser seen one. My suggestion would be Sabrina with William Holden, uh, Humphrey Bogart, and Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, great, great old movie. Not overseen. You know, chances are your date has not seen it. Um, and it's, it's, it's very fun, very romantic. Um, and then the other one I, I was going to suggest if you just want a movie that's going to make you smart. Seems smart, but that you don't actually have to watch. That you could kind of tune out. I would say go for one of Godard's movies, like *Contempt*. That's, <laughs> no. that's what I would say. I contempt love *Contempt*. Is about
1: a marriage falling apart, Rafer. No, that's am, true. I'm that's sorry, true. that's not a make-out movie.
0: But it's a, but it's a it's a good movie. It's interesting. It's not going to bore you, but you could just kind of tune out on it in mm. the middle and start making out. That's what I would say.
1: Now I'm on the same page as you. I say go for the latter tactic. If okay. you want to get someone to make out with you, bring them back to your apartment, put in a DVD, and say. Look at how smart I am,
0: and um, but it, like, but you gotta be careful. You can't do last year at Marion Bad because then you just <laughs> then you just look like a total douche, right? Then then <laughs> your your date's gonna be like, I'm not hanging out with a guy that's gonna bring me to last year at Marion Bad every time we go out.
1: No, I mean I, I I will say this. It has worked for me in the past. The mm. guy brings me back to his apartment and says, Would you like to see Chinatown? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Chinatown's
1: a great movie. No, but it's not so great that you can't. Get distracted and make out. Okay? okay, okay, and it makes you look smart. But then yeah, it's like that's you know true. you can always go back and rewatch it later. It's Chinatown. It's right. everywhere. There's no way not to watch it. So Larry in Brooklyn. My suggestion is Chinatown. <laughs> okay,
0: all right, all right. That's not bad. And
1: your number one recommendation is Sabrina. It's Sabrina. All right. And so as always, we'll end on trivia. Last week we were talking about Captain Phillips and that fantastic. Accent That that Boston (laughs) accent. That Tom Hanks displays in the movie. You know, it's a lot of
0: competition. (laughs) A lot of competition in this field.
1: And we said, there's a lot of great competition in this field. We (laughs) said, we're going to play you a clip. We want you to identify who the actress is doing this great Boston accent. Here's the clip we played. I told them their daddy loved them that much, too. That he had four hearts. And they were all filled up and aching with a love that meant that we would never have to
0: and that their daddy would do whatever he had to do for those he loved.
1: Who is that actress? What is that movie? And... Minnie was the first one to write in on our Facebook page. Minnie from Astoria, New York. Thank you so much. She said, that is Laura Linney in Mystic River.
0: Unmistakable. <laughs> the unmistakable Laura Linney. <laughs> and what's this week's trivia question, Rafer? Okay. So uh, we've been talking about uh, basically some very heavy, heavy films and, and 12 Years a Slave being perhaps the heaviest. Um, however, uh, what, here's our question. What star of 12 Years a Slave was also in this light frothy romantic comedy here's the clip no surprises no surprises not like the stag night unlike the stag night do you admit the brazilian prostitutes were a mistake i do and it would have been much better if they'd not turned out to be men that is true
1: if you know that romantic comedy give us a call at 5717 movies
0: or log on to our facebook page at facebook.com slash movie date podcast